It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. I'm Don LaGreca. Monday means EJ Raddick from the NHL Network. You can check him out on NHL Now between the hours of 4 and 6 Eastern. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm good. I had a great weekend. Uh, called the uh, Coyotes and Sabres with Mike Johnson for uh, the NHL Showcase, our first NHL Showcase game. So it was a lot of fun and a uh, pretty good game. Went to a shootout. And yeah. Buffalo ended up getting done. So uh, looking forward. My next one is is the Islanders and the Predators in two weeks. All right. Excellent. It's uh, it's a lot of fun so, early on with these games and you know, team oh, yeah. like Hope Springs Eternal in Buffalo, right? They get a couple of wins to start the season, feeling good about themselves. And then you've got other teams with tremendous expectations. Like you mentioned, the Islanders, who you're going to be doing their game coming up, and they're 0-2 and have allowed 11 goals in the first two games. Anything to be concerned about with the Islanders since there are so many expectations on them? Well, the thing to be concerned about is that the goaltending situation is unsettled right now, right? I mean, they have an injury to the top guy, and uh, Sorokin has been playing, and like we love Sorokin, he's a, a talented young prospect. He, we saw that last year when he came in and played very well in the postseason, but it's been a little bit of a struggle for him so far. And, uh, you know, that's not typical of the Islanders. Now, they played two really good opponents on the road, the Carolina Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers. I mean, those two teams could, could easily be battling deep into the playoffs, but... Uh, you know, I don't think the Islanders, uh, you know, when you look at the Islanders or who they are, you don't look at a team that gives up five goals, you know, more than five goals in back-to-back games. So, uh, you know, I think that they've got to get that, uh, you know, they hope to get the goaltending situation settled, hope they get everybody healthy and and build on that. And, of course, when you start the season with a 13-game road trip, uh, you know, it, it, it's a little bit uh, worrisome. But you lose the first two, but we'll see if they bounce back. They get Chicago coming up next. They've got Arizona later in the week. I mean, those are teams that have been really struggling defensively, and those are going to be opportunities for the Islanders to kind of tighten things up. Yeah, you, you you look at the stats, and you know, getting off to a good start is very important. You know, we always give that line of American Thanksgiving, but you know, it's probably going to be. You know, even earlier now because of the format, and and you could dig yourself a hole. I, I wouldn't put the Islanders in the category of being overly concerned dropping a couple of games because I think they're so good. But you know, for some of these teams that dug themselves a hole, like Arizona, you know, some expectations around there. You know, that's a team with a slow start that can bury themselves. Yeah, I watched. Uh, you know, again, I did the game on Saturday, and you know, the Coyotes. I mean, they're in a rebuild. I mean, Bill Bill Armstrong is made no bones about it. He's made all kinds of moves, brought in older players on short-term deals. He's got eight draft picks in the first two rounds of the drafts coming up. They acquired, they have three first-rounders. They've tried to replenish that uh, that draft stock after, uh, you know, John Scheike left Arizona. He left in, in really not the best of manners, and uh, the team was punished for some of the 
things that Shika was involved with in terms of interviewing draft players uh, when they were not able to against kind of the bylaws or the regulations of the league. And uh, so Bill Armstrong has come in there and he's looking to kind of rebuild that team. And, you know, the funny thing to watch for down the road is like people aren't talking about it now because there's really no reason to talk about it right now. But the, the future of the Coyotes short term it's going to be interesting to see because Glendale has kind of made it very point of saying that they're going to they're going to move on from having the Coyotes in their building, and the Coyotes are in the mix of getting a new building in Tempe, which is not too far from Phoenix on the campus of Arizona State. They're going through a process now, but that building won't be ready until 2025, and. The Coyotes will have to figure out if, indeed, Glendale follows through, and maybe it's just a negotiating ploy. But if they do follow through and move the Coyotes out of there, they have to figure out where to play. And from what I understand, the two choices are to play a very old building uh, where the Phoenix Roadrunners used to play. And that building, I think, was built in the 1950s. Or play in the, uh, in the baseball stadium where the Diamondbacks play. So, uh, you know, there could be a lot of news around that franchise right. moving forward based on that. But uh, they're in a complete rebuild. And, you know, Andrew Ladd played the other day. Andrew Ladd, I, he didn't play at all last year. I think he played four games in the last two years. So, you know, they have him, Louis Erickson. They've got some older players there. And uh, they've got Jacob, Jacob Chickren, who seems to be the one young guy that they, they feel like they want to build around. But I think if somebody came calling and had an offer for a Clayton Keller or a Nick Smalls, I think they would listen to that mm-hmm. offer. problem is those two young guys uh, are on long-term contracts and they haven't quite met expectations yet. So um, so we'll see. But you're right. The Coyotes are off to the 0-2 start, and I think it's going to be a challenging season for them, uh, to say the least. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Uh, we were very pleasantly surprised by Ottawa last year. Um, they've gotten off to a good start, uh, winning two of their first three games, and the only loss came in a, in a good game against Toronto, a team they had already beaten earlier in the season. I want to go back to that first meeting with Toronto back on Thursday. Tierney got the uh, the game started with a goal that went off his skate. And this has been something that we've talked about before, but I'd love to see some kind of redefinition of the rule with the distinct kicking motion. They obviously allowed that goal, and rightly so by the letter of the law, because he didn't kick at the puck. But clearly, I think his intent was to have it carry him off of his skate into the net. And to me, if you just look at it by the naked eye, I'd say, you know what, I think his intent was to have that goal go off his skate. I know it's hard to redefine it, EJ, but is there a way that we can get away from the distinct kicking motion and have those types of goals also under review be disallowed? Well, I think we want goals, right? I mean, that's the, the conversation we always have. I mean, I think we want more goals in the league. And, and and so, for me, I think the one concern, when you know, the distinct kicking motion, we don't want people 
making like wild swings at pucks on the ice with their skates because it's dangerous. <laughs> you know? So I think that's where it stops. But I think players who angle their skates with the idea of it caroming off their skate into the net, I don't really have a problem with that because, again, we want goals. And if we start taking away goals, I think it gets to even a more slippery slope. Now, you're right. It's tricky to sometimes make a call there. I know it was uh, in the Seattle's opener against Vegas. There was the goal that uh, was allowed, and uh, it appeared that there was a little bit of a kicking motion on that play, but I felt that the puck caromed off the skate before the guy kind of moved his blade in that direction. So, I mean, that's a little bit tricky. But the other day, I think, it, you know, most people I talk to, and I know the league standpoint, I mean, they want goals. And yeah. so, you know, and then you want, and you have to be concerned about safety. So you don't want guys, you know, like I said, making wild motions and kicking things where skates, uh, you know, could end up cutting an opponent. But I don't have a problem with a guy okay. who's smart enough to kind of position his skate blade to create a carom towards the net. It's interesting because I always looked at it, EJ, as, yeah, I want more goals, but what I really care about is the opportunity for more goals. Like, I I don't need a game to be 7-6 with each team having 15 shots on goal. I would rather have a 2-1 game with each team having 40 shots on goal. So, to me, the excitement doesn't necessarily come from more goals. It comes from more opportunities for goals. No, I don't disagree with that, but I don't, you know, I think that you're talking about things that happen they happen really quickly around the net and if guys are smart enough again to because it's like a guy coming around the net if he's smart enough to fire it you know off the side of the goalie's head and goes in the net or when he's behind the net and the goalie is out of position a little bit and shoot it off the goal of the back of the goalie's leg and it goes in i think these are things that happen really quick and if guys are smart enough to make those decisions the in real time I don't have a problem with it as long as there's not a safety issue. So I guess for me, it's, you know, I, I think if a guy, you know, can't, most of these guys want to handle the puck with their stick, right? Right. So if they're in a position where they can't, and they're able to angle their skate blade, and again, I don't have a big problem with it. All right, let's take a look at the, uh, the news from last week. What did you think of the McAvoy deal? Well, it's in line with all these young defensemen who are getting signed, right? McCarr and, uh, you know, uh, Haskinen and uh, Wierenski. I mean, Jones. There's been a whole flood of young defensemen all getting signed to contracts ranging from the upper $8 million range into the mid $9 million range. So it seems to make sense. I think... uh, Fox is the next uh, player on that list for the Rangers. Yeah. He's one of them. I, he's going to get something in that same area. He started off the season with uh, you know similar play that he had last year when he ended up uh, being awarded the Norris Trophy. So um, I'm, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, the only surprise is that the Boston Bruins, who I think are really have tried historically to be very careful and have their own kind of internal, even when there was no salary cap, they kind of had their own little uh, salary cap within their group, um, you know, were to go to that go to that level. But I think the realization is that, you know, this is the number. And Charlie fits in really well with, with that group of players that I mentioned, and the Bruins want to keep them. So 
that's the deal. So I'm not really surprised, and I'll be waiting to see what Adam Fox gets down the road. Yeah, it's going to be a big contract for sure. And how about uh, the Brady-Kachuk deal? Yeah, you know, it's interesting that it took so long to do that, right? Because it seemed like, you know, he's someone they really wanted to get signed, and they were... The reporting was that, you know, he was not as excited about a longer-term deal, which, you know, I could understand that he might want to hedge his bets. The situation in Ottawa on paper looks terrific with all the, you know, fantastic young talent they have there, but the ownership uh, group with Eugene Melnick is still one that I think is you could wonder about in terms of the long-term viability and with the rink being where it is, are they ever going to get a new rink downtown in Ottawa? So there's reason, I think, for Brady Kachuk to say, maybe I'd rather do a shorter-term deal, but in the end, he does sign off to a longer-term contract and he gets, I think, a significant amount of money for someone that, uh, you know, is like a lot of these guys now, everything is, you know, for me, and I've been saying this really since the cap era began, Don, and you know, you would remember from our time doing the show together. It's like, you know, you got to identify the guys you think are they going to be the, the leaders and the, the guys you want to build around in your group. And the sooner you can get them signed to long-term contracts, the better, because that way you're going to get their best years. I mean, I'd rather have a guy on an eight-year deal from 22 to 30 than have him on an eight-year deal from 28 to 36, just because the chances of you getting maximum production from that player is certainly more likely in those 22 to 30 years. So mm-hmm. the Ottawa Senators get that done and I think Brady Kachuk is likely going to be a captain of that team down the road and they got a lot of good young talent and we'll see if Pierre Dorian and, and the, the group in Ottawa can can you know push that thing forward and, and you know if on paper this is a team that uh, in three or four years can be a real contender. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think that you're seeing, you know, certainly how much longer can Boston, you know, compete at that elite level. Eventually, might Tampa might come back down to earth here, where we might be looking at a division where you know teams like Florida and Ottawa could become the dominant teams in the in that division if they do the right thing over the next couple of years. Yeah, like, you know, in Detroit, has been, you know, they're putting together younger players there. they got Mo Sider making his debut this year, Lucas Raymond, and some good players there. So Detroit likely to get better over the next couple of years. I mean, once Buffalo can figure its way out of the Jack Eichel circumstance, and depending upon what they get in return for him, I mean, they're hoping, uh, you know, that they can be better. So, you know, it's cyclical, and when the teams are bad, they get the opportunity to draft at the top of the draft or, or stockpile draft picks. And, you know, if you manage it right, you get a chance to, to get better. And I think you're right, Boston. It's been a, I think it's been a real credit to the Bruins. I mean, this is a team that won the Cup in 2011. They've been back to the finals twice since then. And, you know, they've done it with a very, very similar core group of players. You know, even Chicago and L.A., who were teams that won multiple Stanley Cups, Chicago winning three and L.A. winning two, you know, those two those two franchises have eventually paid the price for that and have struggled, even with, this, you know, even with similar core players still there. So the Bruins have been able to stay, you know, at or near the top of their conference over a long stretch of time with Bergeron, Bergeron and Marchand and, 
you know, for a long stretch, uh, David Krejci. And, you know, I think at some point in time, you know, those guys, you know, Bergeron is getting older now. He's into his mid-30s. And Marchand, is, you know, is into his 30s now, although he's a terrific player. They still have Poshnok, who's a young player. Krejci is out of there for now. And, uh, you know, they have a young Charlie McAvoy, who's obviously going to be the cornerstone of, of their group moving forward. But, uh, you know, you got to give the Bruins and their management group a lot of credit because they've kept this window open for a long time and it, you know they got off to a good start in their opener against the Dallas Stars on, on Saturday night so we'll see you know how things go for them this year. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. You want to do some tweets? Got a bunch of them. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. I was going to ask you about this, but I'll let Eli do it. He says, what is going to happen with Kraftsoff? Is there any chance he plays for the Rangers this year? Well, that's, you know, that's a great question. Um, you know, Chris Drury in his first season on the job is, uh, you know, that's something Chris is going to have to manage. He's not, uh, obviously, a, you know, Jeff Gordon and his group, although Chris was a part of that group, you know, was, was the group that drafted Kraftsoft. And, you know, I've said for a while now that, you know, they've got to sort through all these really good young players they have and figure out the ones that they, they're going to build with and then, kind of move on from the from the people that they don't feel that are going to be part of that. Um, I When I saw Kravisov last year, you saw him more than me, Donnie, but I, I, I thought he was, I was impressed. I mean, I think yeah. he's a big player that, you know, has a lot of skill and has a chance to be a real good player in this league. But, you know, behind the scenes, they know, you know, I'm sure the, like the Rangers are trying to win, you know, <laughs> like, you know, uh, Chris Drury uh, and Gerard Galano, I mean, those guys are competitive guys. I mean, they want to win. So they're not going to send a guy to Hartford just be, you know, for no good reason. They know, you know, uh, they have a good eye for what they think they need to do to help them win. And apparently, when you read the reporting on it, uh, there was there just a feeling that, uh, you know, maybe he could he could train in a different way. And uh, and so that's a little bit of the yin and the yang. They didn't feel he had yeah. a great camp. I guess they feel they have other players that will help them be successful at the start, but. You know, and, and, and he's a Russian-born player who has an option. And, you know, he can, he would want to go back to the KHL. He could say to himself, hey, why would I stay here and play in the minors and make minor league money when I can go to the KHL and, and do better there? And he's at home. So there's therein lies the, uh, the yin and the yang of things. The, you know, Chris Drury's got to figure that out. Maybe he decides to move perhaps off. But... I think he's a pretty talented young guy, and he's awfully young still in his career. I don't know if I want to rule out the fact that they can't mend their fences and figure that out, but uh, you know, certainly it's not a great sign when a player yeah. fuses uh, a demotion to the minors. And uh, you know, the only reason you know I believe that he would do that is that you know, again, he has an option to go play. In, you know, at least. You know, in his mind, he has an option to go play in the KHL. Now, there are contractual uh, issues that uh, would prohibit that, but the bottom line is that, 
you know, he feels that that's an option for him, and so we didn't want to go to Hartford. We'll see if they can get it worked out. But I like the player. Yeah, so we'll I do too. And I understand the frustration, EJ, when you see guys like, you know, Dryden Hunt on the team and you say to yourself well how did he get beat out by Hunt but as you said there's other things that go on as you said with his training and they they had the option to send him down there and let's face it EJ if he just accept the assignment he'd be back already because they had the play without Blay against Dallas Kako is now listed as day-to-day with a with a lower body injury they would have called him up you know, he would have yeah, been down there for yeah. a couple of days and he would be up right now and if you know what he scored a couple of goals and made an impression he would stay so he kind of yeah. cut off his nose despite his face, as far as I'm concerned, because he would be right now in the lineup against Toronto tonight. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that, um, you know, that would have been likely the case. Um, as for, like, you know, this guy makes a team or that guy makes a team, well, you know what? There are certain people that you put on a team because they have value in the roles that you need filled. And Travis Off is probably not going to be uh, you know, a fourth, he's not a fourth line guy. And so you're not asking him to do fourth line things. I mean, he's somebody that uh, clearly was drafted as a top six forward. And uh, if you don't see him in that role at a camp, you know, you could see why they would take another player who fits a role on the fourth line before they would take him. So you're absolutely right. As things have played out, he would have already been back. Maybe they'll get things squared away. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll move them. I mean, it'll be interesting. And again, this is here's Chris Drury in the first within the first year of his assignment as the general manager of the New York Rangers, having some uh, you know murky waters that he has to navigate. Uh, Anthony asks, he's improved last year and came off a great start on opening night for the Devils. Do you think that Jack Hughes will become a superstar? Well, he was the first overall pick in the draft, right? So a lot of people feel Jack Hughes is going to be a superstar player in this league. I mean, you know, that's... Well, that was they drafted him for, right? (laughs) That's exactly right. That's the expectation. And it wasn't like the Devils drafted Jack Hughes one overall. Everybody's like, wow, where did did they find him? Like, everybody has known about Jack Hughes for a couple of years leading into the draft. He's a a really high-end offensive player. He's got great quickness and instincts. You saw that on display the game-winning goal in overtime against the Blackhawks on Friday night. It was just a beautiful play and a great read. Uh, I think he's, you know, he's like a lot of young guys. He's getting he's getting bigger and stronger. As uh, you know, he's never going to be a giant, but uh, you know, to get bigger and stronger and thicker to handle the rigors of playing in the National Hockey League. I think a couple of years in now, he's better suited for that. I think in a perfect world, he would have uh, played another year of college out of uh, his draft year and and not gone right into the NHL. But when you get drafted first overall, that seems to be the expectation these days. Owen Power is kind of an exception to that, going back to Michigan. But, uh, you know, I think Jack Hughes is going to be a terrific player. I mean, how good is he going to be? Hard to say. But, boy, he's really quick, fast, got great offensive instincts, and uh, he's fun to watch. So I think he's going to be a really good player. And this is, I think he's probably... You know, going to have a, some sort of breakout season this year, numbers-wise, based on where he's been in the first two years, just because he's a little older, a little bigger, a little stronger. I think he's a little better supported now, you know, when you think about the additions the Devils have made and the fact that some of the younger players there are making strides. And, you know, hopefully like someone like Nico Heischer can stay healthy this year, and that'll help yeah. as well. Adam wants to know, could you see the Jack Hughes stick toss into the stands become hockey's version of the bat flip in baseball? 
Well, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I... Well, don't do I it on the road. <laughs> I, yeah, I was a little worried for those fans because they go after you know They're like ready to kill each other for that stick. So, you know, that's a little nerve-wracking to watch that. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't expect it on the road. Uh, but it was exciting in the moment. It's something that, you know what? He's a, he's a young guy. He's revved up. And the fans are revved up there. I mean, the Devils, it's been a struggle for for several years now. And, you know, they're hoping that these young guys are going to be able to push them forward. I, I have a lot of belief that, you know, Tommy Fitzgerald is going to do a good job of putting that, that thing together. If they just, you know, if ownership lets, leaves them alone and lets them do the work, I think the Devils will improve. Now, I, I said we had to do these kind of bold predictions for the NHL Network at the start of the year. And I don't know how bold a prediction it is, but my prediction was that the Devils are going to be way better than people think, and they're going to contend for a playoff spot. Now, I don't think they're going to get a playoff spot, but they played well in their opener, took advantage of a team that really struggles defensively in Chicago. We'll see how they do as the week goes on. They got the Kraken tomorrow night at the uh, at the Rock. Uh, Washington, I believe, comes in a little bit later in the week on third. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, the Devils are one of those teams. I've said it a million times about teams that are, you know, younger teams and rebuilding teams and teams that want to take a step forward. It's just take it one day at a time, put your head down, do your work. At the end of the year, pop your head up and see where you are in the standings and see how much improvement you've made. So they'll have their hands full with Seattle and Washington. Seattle has played pretty good in their first three games. They could have won them all. Uh, they ended up 1-1-1, one, one, and one, but, uh, you know, that'll be a challenge on Tuesday night. But, uh, you know, I think uh, I think the Devils are going to be a little bit better than people think. David B. wants to know, the Penguins have been getting offense from unexpected places. If they keep this up with Geno and Sid in the coming back, what's the ceiling for this team? Well, it's been a really impressive start, right? I mean, they went into Tampa on opening night, and everybody figured Tampa's going to blow their doors off because they're missing Crosby, Malkin, and Gensel. And really, Pittsburgh dominated the game. And they did so by adhering to a really to a, to a, a strong system and to have guys having their feet moving all the time and pressuring the puck and making it really sapping the life out of the Tampa Bay Lightning. So... And they went down to and they went, after that they went into Florida and played the Panthers and they had a crazy game with the Panthers and the Panthers are really good and found a way to rally in that game and win. And then Pittsburgh blew the doors off of Chicago, second of a back to back for a Hawks on Saturday night. And like I say, the Hawks that to me are they are really light and soft on defense and they're gonna have to figure that out. Um, so, you know, so far so good for a team that's been without Crosby and Malkin. Crosby seems like to be back soon. Malkin will be a longer-term thing. But I think they've just got to adhere to the system of play. You know, you know, even if you get star players back in the lineup, you can't just say, okay, we got these guys back, we're fine. I think they have to play smart. They can't get into this um, trade chances type of game that maybe they could have several years ago. Mm-hmm. You just have to be smart and, again, keep you know use your, use your feet, use your speed defensively as well as offensively, and make it hard for your opponent to get life in a game. And, you know, hopefully you get good goals. And they've had so far in the two games he's played. The Smiths had a kind of a crazy game in Florida. But, uh, you know, Jari's going to be a little bit of a question mark because he struggled in the playoffs last year against the Islanders. And, you know, they need him to get things turned around. And so far, so good. So I, I think really for the Penguins, when you say what's the ceiling, I mean, when they get completely healthy, they'll have 
They'll have guys they could probably play with any team in the league. The question will be, will they adhere to that system or will they slide out of that and give up more opportunities and put their goaltender in a tougher situation? Because mm-hmm. I don't think Christian Jari is somebody that's going to carry a group. So they have to put him in a situation and protect him and put him in a situation to succeed. I know you're up against it. I want to squeeze a couple more in if I can. Uh, Tommy P. says, your thoughts on Jeremy Colleton and his tenure with the Blackhawks? Well, it was a, it's a tough tenure, right? Because he follows a legend in Joel Quenville who won three Stanley Cups. So that's the first thing. Uh, he, he inherits a team that was obviously on the downside of their run. So that's another thing. I think Stan Bowman has made a lot of different moves. A lot of a lot of, of them haven't really been all that successful. Uh, you know, Jonathan Taze is gone for a year. That's out of everybody's control. Um, you know, but when I watch this team, and he's been the coach now for a couple of years, and I still see that just ragged defensive play. And again, you don't have the personnel. I mean, they've added Seth Jones, who's a good player, but he's got to get acclimated there. Uh, I've never been a huge fan of Connor Murphy. I think he's kind of a light defender, and he's someone that has been hurt a number of times in his career. Um, you know, they brought back Eric Gustafson, uh, who, again, is, you know, he's like a designated hitter. I mean, he's somebody that plays on the power play and can help you in that role, and that's it. And really not very good defensively at all. Um you know, Cal DeHaan has had some injury problems. Again, not what I would consider a heavy defender. So, at the end of the day, you know, I think he's been in a tough spot there, Jeremy Colleton. But if this continues, um, you know, like we've seen in these first couple of games, you know, with the expectation level, right? It's always about the expectation level for these guys, these coaches. And the expectation level is higher because of the addition of Jones, the addition of Tyler Johnson and some of the other mm-hmm. things. On Mark Andre Blurry. So if he gets to a month and this doesn't get better, I would say that he's probably going to be out the door. All right, and quickly, Kevin, I know it's really early, but what are your thoughts on the Blue Jackets and their start? Well, it's been good. I mean, now they, they've benefited, right? Because they got the Arizona Coyotes, who I think will likely be the worst team in the league this year. And so they played them on opening night. It was an emotional night with the. Uh, remembrance of uh, Matisse Kivlenic and the Blue Jackets came out scored really early in the game 2-0 lead, scored really early in the second period, 3-0 lead and kind of rolled to that win. In game number two, harder opponent in Seattle, but they found a way to rally, get the game into overtime and win the game so again, like I said about the Devils, come to the rink, do your work <laughs> play hard night right. after night Take it one at a time, see where you're at when it's all over. But I like their goaltenders, and I think there's a real commitment to play, you know, like that, you know, the kind of same hard hockey. And, you know, uh, is a wild card because if he has one of those years where he puts up, you know, goals and becomes a factor on the power, more offensive punch. So, uh, you know, a team, I think, on a night to night basis is going to be. I don't think you ever want to overlook them. I think on a night-to-night basis, they can beat anybody in this league. It'll be incumbent on the teams that play them to be ready to go when the puck's dropped. 
EJ, it's always a pleasure. I know you got a busy week ahead of you, and if you want to see more of EJ or hear more of EJ, Monday through Friday from 4 to 6 Eastern on the NHL Network with NHL Now. Thanks, buddy. I'll talk to you next week. Have a good week. All right, that's the great EJ Raddick. Always fun to talk to him, and thanks to everybody who contributed on Twitter to ask him some really good questions here early on in the season. There are four games tonight, the NHL Rangers in Toronto to take on the Leafs. Second game of a four-game road trip for the Rangers that saw them win in Montreal on Saturday. Toronto tonight, then come back into the States on Thursday to play Nashville, only to go back to Canada to play Ottawa on Saturday afternoon. So kind of a herky-jerky schedule for the Rangers who look like they're going to play at least for a time without Capo Caco, who got injured in the first period of the Montreal game. That's what we were just talking about with EJ. If Kraftsoff just had been patient, he'd be back up here with a chance to impress in actual regular season games, maybe steal a spot. But um, that um, soap opera continues. Uh, Seattle continues their Eastern swing. They'll be in Philadelphia tonight to take on the Flyers at 7 o'clock at 9.30. The Calgary Flames are home for the Anaheim Ducks. And at 10 o'clock tonight, it'll be the St. Louis Blues and the Arizona Cardinals, the four games there. Uh, You want to get in touch with me? best way to do that is at Don LaGreca hashtag game misconduct. We will get back together again on Wednesday. This was the Monday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.